0: My name is Noah. Hello there, Noah. We have a big show, a very important guest, maybe our most important guest ever. On the Linux Action Show this week, find out how and why they switched to Linux, how they're moving their practice over to Linux, and how it could improve the lives of people throughout the nation. Plus, in the news, we'll be talking about some big updates on a major project we love to follow, and Dell's got some new hardware. I mean, like, a lot of new hardware that runs Linux. We'll be talking about that and other stories. Plus, in the feedback, I've got a few questions for you this time, and you've got a few questions for us. But before all of that, Noah, do you know what we got? We got
1: the pick. (laughs) Oh, Noah.
0: That's right. That's right. That's right. In fact, we have some really great picks. Super excited about the uh, desktop app pick because I just recently started using it earlier this week. And uh, there is a lot of other projects out there, but they've all kind of faded out. And this one's still got some life to it. But first, Noah, we start with our runs Linux this week. This is really cool. I think this is probably going to be your next phone. I mean, because I think, I know you love Samsung's right. right now, but check out Thank the you. Zero phone. The Zero phone runs GNU slash Linux. And uh, yes, Noah, that is uh, that is it right there with the uh, hardware buttons exposed. It's a Raspberry Pi Zero at its heart running Linux, and you can make one yourself for $50. It does calling and SMS, it has some basic apps like calendar, calculator, phone book, file browser. Yes, file browser, web browser, and a music player. Plus, it comes with an SDK. And a lot of the other stuff that's just ARM compatible that runs on Linux. It also has some pen testing tools and some radio experimentation tools. You can. It's about a candy bar size, like an old candy bar cell phone. Fits in your phone. Uh, here's the details. It's based on Debbie and Jesse. It can be tailored to suit your needs very easily, and it's upgradable. It doesn't need a separate distribution. So I think it's using, uh, yeah, Raspbian Linux, which is based on Jesse. So it's using Raspbian. Okay. And uh, it's got a user interface. They just, they've
1: customized it. They've customized the inter- user interface to kind of yeah. be that phone. They're using okay. Python cool. uh, and they're using
0: PyCLI. So it's a it's a CLI stuff for Python, and uh, it they they are actually up for rewriting a lot of that stuff. But that's where it's at right now. This thing is a, I'm a Python
1: programmer. So oh yeah? Respect that.
0: Oh nice. Yeah. Nice. A gamer and a Python programmer, huh? Damn, Noah. That's right. You are you are a man of many talents. So uh, I think this is pretty neat. It's going to support all the programming languages that Linux could use, though. So if you don't want to use Python, you know, you I know a lot of you out there probably want to use Mono. I, I understand a lot of Mono fans. So uh, you can you could probably actually I don't know if Mono on Linux works on ARM. You might not be able to. You might not be able to do that. Yeah, I guess uh, this is uh, right now the person that wrote this blog post uh, at Hackaday. Um, get this, Noah. It's kind of uh, fits with the theme. It was writing apps for this thing for uh, productivity in the healthcare industry. For everyday tasks and goals and things like that in the healthcare industry. kind of, Nice. It, kind of on point for today's show. Kind of on Very point. Very much so. So uh, Noah messaged me yesterday with the wind chill in Grand Forks, North Dakota. It was negative 54 degrees. So I don't even know how you managed to get anywhere to pull off the interview that's on the show today. Because at negative 54 degrees, I would not leave the house for anything. I, had, uh, I have just a full disclosure. I planned today because we got a lot of feedback saying, yeah, let's do the follow-up on your predictions. I thought okay mm-hmm. I'll go back I'll edit it all all of our uh, our previous predictions into little clips where we said what it's going to be and we'll mm-hmm. own up to it and like a good boy I was going to do it in KDN live because that's my preferred editor under GNU/Linux okay. but then but then you know what happened I finally got bit by the arch rolling. I don't know what? I don't know what happened exactly, but Bits. my main-
1: you got eaten.
0: Mm-hmm. My main machine, my gnome install, is just terched. I just did a full system update, and now I after I reboot and I log in, I get a black screen for a few seconds. I see my mouse cursor, and then it drops me back to GDM. And you know, i I, I just devastated, just because I just wanted to just sit down and start editing. I was so bummed. Mm. I loaded Budgie desktop, so I got Budgie on there now. And uh, I'm making that work. So some of my app picks and stuff are from that perspective of like, oh, man, I got to get this work done. And now I need to replace sure. some functionality. It's just some good stuff that I came across. So my my whole like my machine won't log in. I can't get this footage edited. Mm-hmm. It actually worked out to be everybody else's benefit because we got some great app picks from it. And Noah and I scratched our heads and Noah came up with this idea for today's show, which I think is a great idea. We can still do the the the, the owning up to our predictions that's mm-hmm. I, just, if, I think if we get it within January we're good because th- I'm really glad we're able to make room for today's episode. So my my loss is everyone else's gain this week. So before we get into all of that stuff, let's thank our first sponsor over at DigitalOcean.com. Use our promo code. Here's the thing, it's all one word, just like you're slurring it. Put it in there after you create your account, and you get a $10 credit. Now $10 is like magic over DigitalOcean because their pricing is outrageous. They have hourly and monthly pricing. I love it because hourly lets me experiment with open source projects and monthly lets me build an infrastructure that I can rely on for myself and for my business. Digitalocean.com for $5 a month, you get 512 megs of RAM, a CPU core, a terabyte of transfer, 20 gigs of SSD. All of their rigs are SSDs. You can deploy all of them in seconds. You can go up to huge systems. I I start with that $5 a month rig because that's such a great price and you can run it two months for free. But man, I think they're going to get. I think like two hundred and twenty-four gigs of RAM or somewhere in that range is like the upper limit. So these machines can get just absolutely insane. They have the entire range of scalability, which is amazing. I was talking maybe like two weeks ago with Alan on one of our last tech snaps, and he talked about how they had a massive uh, online gaming sports event, and Scale Engine was responsible for streaming to. Lots of users like the most user scale engines ever had to stream and I think I, I'm getting the numbers wrong You can watch in text I think he said something like they spun up like 36 maybe as many as 60 digital ocean droplets over the weekend to just take on that additional wow. scalability,
1: so it, it I feel y- like I feel like he did that just because he wants to compete with me.
0: <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. Meanwhile, I'm just like I've got like a handful of droplets. I'm I'm cool too. I love their high available high available store, I highly available, highly.
1: What? I said I got something for you. I, I, I have a plan. I oh yeah, I'm, you'll find. All I, right, I have a plan.
0: Ooh, I like this. Is this something we could talk about on the show? Or is this is this like oh, yeah. private and Chris? Oh, this is
1: something we're gonna do on the show. I think. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I got, I got something for you. Okay, mm-hmm. highly available storage. Go ahead.
0: Highly available <laughs> storage, lightning fast networking, 40 gigabits at the hypervisor. I mean, that's nice, right? And then you combine that with the SSDs, Linux machines, the running the whole damn thing, and then that sweet interface with that straightforward API. Just use our promo code, here's the thing, one word, lowercase, add it to your DO account after you've signed up, and boom, you've supported the show, and you get a $10 credit. Cook them with guests. Even if you've already created your account, go try it out. Just experiment. Experiment with something. Go, you know what? And for the heck of it, spin up a Fedora droplet. What, you got a problem with Fedora? I didn't think so. DigitalOcean.com, use a promo code, here's the thing. And a big thank you, DigitalOcean, for sponsoring. Like show. All right, I am legitimately excited about Albert. No, not Mr. Westro, who helps us out with graphics like the new TechSnap graphics. But that was awesome, Well, Albert. Thank you. It is a launcher that replaces my old go-to, which was Synapse. And it's modeled after, uh, da, 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 says on here, it's modeled after um, Alfred on the Mac, I think. Um, and it is, it is, it hits the sweet spot. It's super fast. It's easy to set the hotkey to whatever I want. It gets what I'm typing in there, launches it immediately, does some basic things like math, web lookups right there in the launcher. And if you're on a desktop like Budgie, it's a great launcher for Budgie, and it's in the repos. So that's really nice. Couldn't actually get it to build and install. On Arch, which is not, u- I usually come on here and say it's in the AUR. Just install it. Yeah, it's in the AUR. I don't, I don't know why, it, I don't know why it won't build though. I, did, I just didn't bother looking into it on this machine this morning. But it is a fantastic launcher. I've been using it for the past few days. I really like it. I, I mapped mine to Control Backspace. It's a little wonky on high DPI, but if you just expand out the settings screen, it all renders out okay, and it, lo- it looks pretty good. And it's apparently in active mm-hmm. development, which is oh. nice.
1: Can You launch it with the with the super key instead of the control backspace.
0: You can set it to any launch key you want. You just might have a conflict. Can, I don't. Okay. Yeah, I I did yeah. control backspace or control backslash. I think it's backslash. There's okay. one under the backspace cool. key. Just because that's not usually mapped to anything else, and I just do that across all my gotcha. machines. And control's usually in the far right corner or left corner, so I don't have to search around yeah, for yeah. it. Yeah, I really like it. So it's Albert, and oh. it's been a fantastic launcher for me. And one of the nice things, as opposed to Synapse and I can't remember the other one I used to use. Uh, gnome do I believe both of those are no longer under active development, I might be wrong about that but I think they both have just sort of been parked this is it is dependent on QT5 but it's written in C++ so essentially it pulls down like two QT5 dependencies, the rest of it's all written in C++, so it works across any desktop environment you want to use it on, I I have it with a dark theme on Budgie and just rocking, love it so, check it out. The, uh, the launcher is pretty sweet. The dream is real. The dream is real. Now, this next one was a recommendation that came into the show, and it came in for at least for myself at just the right time. So, uh, I want to give a personal thank you to I think it's MIT Coase, MIT Coase. He recommended this uh, cannon board or Kanban project management software which is a simple visual task board that is open source and you can host it yourself or I think they also have uh, they might have a hosted one you could do for 30 for 30 bucks a month but I will I obviously mm-hmm. rather just throw it on a droplet myself Anyways, what I really like about it is it's – visually, I grokked it immediately. You get your overview. You got a board and you got a calendar. And in the overview, you get a backlog of tasks, your tasks that are ready to complete and tasks that are currently a work in progress. Color-coded, done in blocks, very simple to understand, tags for things like documentation needed or markdown. I really like it. You can visualize your work. You can you can limit your work in progress to be more efficient. You can customize the boards according to your different activities. You can generate reports and analytics. It's simple to use. You can access anywhere with a modern browser. It has plugins and integrations. You can self-host. It is open source. And the installation is super simple. I think it just requires PHP. I can't remember. I did look into the uh, requirements, and I remember thinking it was not that bad. So it's... I th- it's Kanboard, uh, K A N board, like and it's Canban project management software.
1: I, I, you know what's funny is I have looked at pro- different project management software for under under Linux itself, and the, the biggest problem I found is trying to get that data synced across multiple devices, right? Yeah. If you have you know you start one on one and you go to edit. Yeah, sure. That's yeah. A problem, but but if you can get that into a web based form, right? Or you know. That's available everywhere, mm-hmm. and so that multiple people can have access to it. Now, all of a sudden, it makes a lot more sense. Yeah, and it has
0: some nice plugins too, which you might want to use in more of a business. It has uh, database storage backend, so instead of using local file storage, if you want to put it in a SQL server, it'll support that. You can also, instead of having to host your own user accounts, if you guys are already all in on GitHub, it can use GitHub authentication. And you can also pl- integrate with GitHub to manage GitHub issues, which is super nice. Also, if you're thinking it when I was talking about this, yes, it also supports GitLab authentication. Now you could really be cooking with gas. You could have your own off, off, or on-premises, I should say, on-premises GitLab, and you could be using the users you've already set up on that on-premises GitLab to authenticate Canboard. It also supports Google authentication if you'd like to do that. HipChat, Jabber, uh, Mailgun, Mattermost—that's sweet. OAuth. So I mean, really, this is there's some really, really, really nice plugins. Rocket Chat, Slack. SMS two-factor authentication. This is a great one. So I, I didn't even I didn't even go that far into the plugin list. Wonderlist, which I think you use now or you used to use, which yep, is I uh, still use it. It also supports integration with Wonderlist. That's really nice. This plugin allows you to import Wonderlist tasks and lists directly from the user interface of Kenboard by uploading Wonderlist export files. So that is a super great pick. So thanks, uh, Mikkos, for submitting that to the Linux Action Show subreddit. And uh, I'm going to be probably deploying it myself to help manage some of the tasks around here. And yes, the chat room asks, is there a Docker image? I would bet there's a Docker image. There's almost always there's almost always a Docker image. The real question is, has that image ever been updated since they first published it? That's the real question. All right, Noah, let's do the news. news and this episode is brought to you by oh it's brought to you by ting go to last.ting.com to support the show and get $25 off a device or if you have a gsm or cdma device you can bring and you might check out their byod page if you have one you can bring you get $25 in service credit now the average monthly bill on ting $23 so you might just pay for more than your first month also they have such great prices on some of their phones which are unlocked with no contract you just can use that money to to take a little bit of money off a phone that would be a Super great way to get started with Ting. I love Ting because it's no contract, no determination fee, and you only pay for what you use. $6 for the line, minutes, messages, megabytes, and somehow they still manage to have the best customer service in the industry and the best freaking dashboard. You combine that with CDMA and GSM. If you're a little bit technical, you can pick whichever works better for you or maybe you're working with an Internet of Things device that uh, takes GSM. I kid, but there's a lot of them out there these days. Their dashboard is so nice. The tools that work on your mobile phone or in the web are great. Ting is a really great company backed by two cows. They've been around for a really long time, and they just want to change up the mobile industry. If you're a small business, too, I highly encourage you to try them out. Here's a great way to see if Ting is going to work for you. Go to last.ting.com and then click on what would you save right there in the media. You click on that. You do a little bit of math here. You figure out what your price would be. What I love about this is think about it differently too. Think about how if I took it I do this. It's really not a it's not even that big of a challenge, but consider it maybe as a slight challenge. If you use streaming music, stop or pin them to your device, cache them locally. If you listen to podcasts, download them on Wi-Fi before you go. If you back up your photos or use sync thing Dropbox or BitTorrent sync, sync while you're on Wi-Fi. You, essentially what I do is I use the LTE network as a secondary data network. It's available for me. Right. I still use my still use it for telegrams and doing some voice calls. Uh, but primarily I use my device on Wi-Fi because I spend all day, work day plus some at the studio and then I go home where I have Wi-Fi or I go to, over to a family member's house where they have Wi-Fi. And so for me it's such a killer deal because I have three phones and I'm hardly ever cracking 40 bucks a month. I've, I, I, don't, I, I don't have three phones, but I mean I have three phones on my line. I pay for $6 for each line. Because Ting is, doesn't have like some sort of overall like market strategy about like having a video streaming platform with their own app store and their own branding and theming, they don't delay updates because they're not in any of that crap. They're just a mobile service provider that doesn't care how you use them. It's brilliant. There's no contract. It's simple to get into. And even if you're not ready to switch to Ting yet, but you're a cord cutter, they got a great blog. They went uh, through all of the great posts from CES that were like, Perfectly targeted at cord cutters and did a nice roundup of the look at cord cutters stuff at uh, CES this year. So check it out. Their blog is killing it for us cord cutters. Start by going to last.ting.com and then head over to the Ting blog, try out their savings calculator, look at some of their devices, see what Ting's all about. Last.ting.com. On Linux Unplugged this week, the story was breaking that Dell was releasing a whole bunch of new hardware. And we had uh, Barton George on, who is the guy that that runs the Sputnik Project, which is sort of the skunkworks operation to get Linux uh, as an official platform in Dell. And they've had some success. And so as a result of that, they're launching on a whole new line of hardware. They're updating existing lines of hardware, and they're rolling out new machines that run Linux. And one of the machines that's been getting a lot of attention in our audience, because I've been getting messages about it all freaking week, is uh, the fact that they're shipping their Precision line now, one of their Precision line mm-hmm. machines, the Dell Precision 3520 mobile workstation. Now, when you heard that, you perked right up. I'm not a big Dell yep. person, so I didn't really—why is the Precision line a big deal?
1: So we're a Dell reseller, and so we we uh, we saw a lot of Dell machines. And um, I have been putting Dell on— their computer since as long as Dell has been making them. And uh, there are basically two models we we fluctuate between. We fluctuate between the Latitude series and the Precision series. And basic, and everything else is, in my opinion, personal opinion, is garbage. Um, <laughs> well, maybe This is kind of a special thing. But for the most part, you know, this Inspiron series, all that stuff is a bunch of junk. But so they the Latitude series is kind of your ultrabook, I want to take it and go anywhere kind of computer and the Precision is like the I need a desktop but I need it to be in fold, foldable form factor and Dell has done a bang up job over the over the over the years of making a foldable desktop that's very very portable. It's not it's not huge, it's not bulky. The power supply is, you know, it's very small. And it's a it's a very compact unit, and so we have a number of those out. uh, You know, architects, uh, graphic designers. Sure. Um, I I have one personally that I use uh, for a lot of video editing. Um, It's just a very powerful computer. Just so to see Dell start shipping those with Ubuntu says to me that they are really catering towards a development audience, uh, an audience that where people want to spin up you know a lot of VMs and stuff like that. Yeah, a professional have that option available.
0: Yeah, a a professional Professional business and enterprise and. uh, people that are working in, in 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 development as well. A couple of under- mm-hmm. interesting things. Now, when you buy one of these machines preloaded with Ubuntu, they're a hundred dollars less than the Windows 10 version, which is awesome mm-hmm. to see. Uh, so you got this mm-hmm. big, you got this big one, this 15 uh, inch one. They're also releasing um, uh, a uh, an all in one workstation. I don't know if you've seen that, but it's uh, it's kind of cool yeah. looking. It's an all in one. They're doing also a precision. That's the all in one. The precision. 5720 all-in-one desktop with a nice screen. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought maybe I would play around with this big Precision workstation and try to just get a feel for what my build would be like. And uh, so before we started the news, I threw one together, and I'll just kind of go over what I kind of threw together. So this is the this would be a new Dell Precision 3520 workstation with a Intel Core i7-7820HQ. That's clocked at, uh, it's a quad-core at 2.9 gigahertz. It turbos up to 3.9. 8 meg uh, cache with Intel graphics uh, with the 630 graphics on board, and it also comes with a, a Quadro graphics card, which uh, is the NVIDIA Quadro M620 with 2 gigs of RAM. And then I also threw in the 15.6 inch IPS 1080 display, non touch screen. And uh, they have other ones with uh, like ones with uh, with a camera. So for like 100 bucks more, you could get. Uh, a built-in webcam and a touchscreen. I went 32 gigs of RAM, the processor I chose to have Thunderbolt support unfortunately does not support ECC. But this laptop, if you got the right processor, you could have ECC RAM on a laptop. And there is a category of workers out there like in the scientific field and others where that's a really big deal. I went with a 512 gigabyte M.2 PCI solid state class 40 drive, Intel Wi-Fi 8265, And uh, a 92-watt-hour express-charge battery, they call it, with uh, just uh, basically no service. There's just an absolute minimum bare service. My final price clocked in at $2,072. Like I said, if I up to a slightly nicer screen, which I probably would, it would be like $2,100. $2,200 after tax and all that kind of stuff. I don't know, $2,400. I don't know what it would be after tax. Uh, So that would be the, that's the Dell Precision 3520. So I wanted to compare that to the Oryx Pro because that's what, in sort of the same class, that's what I'd be comparing it to. The Oryx Pro comes in more expensive at $2,313. So about $300 more expensive to uh, buy from a local Linux vendor. However, there is a massive, massive difference in the video card for me personally. The Oryx has a six gigabyte gtx 1060 whereas the dell has the older quadro which is from a we can kind of tell probably based on a on a gtx 800 series graphics card so that's a massive gap in video performance between the oryx and the dell the oryx quite handily doing i mean the 1080s and 1060 series are just great cards to begin with the oryx also has a 200 watt AC adapter versus 120 or whatever the other one was, which might s- charge the battery faster. I don't know. Otherwise, in just about all respects, uh, they're pretty much the same. The orcs, though, had a slightly faster clock, too, on the CPU at 3.5 gigahertz. Um, I think that might be their turbo, though. I'm not sure. It's an i7-6700HQ. Pretty good rigs overall, though. I mean, they're both really good rigs. You're not going wrong with either one. And at $2,000, that is, that's is a fully stocked MacBook killer, desktop dominator, like nothing in the Apple line touches that, not much in the PC line touches that.
1: And really, there's one other big it would be a big deal for me, maybe not for for a lot of other people, but the uh, Precision is going to support docking.
0: Oh, really? Now, see, they don't offer a dock with it, though. Wouldn't they? Is that something that would come up after I get further into it? How does that work with uh, usually
1: They'll offer it somewhere on the site, but anything that has an E in front of it uh, is is considered there, is is dockable. It it works with the E-series dock. Um and so Mm, and I I don't think they make a precision that doesn't offer the dock that doesn't come with the it's not an e series so uh, for and you know the thing is you know you know one of the big things about docking is you can get docks now that have three display connectors at the back and so I can set my laptop down and have three different displays connected yeah that's awesome that's really cool looks like
0: it has a three year hardware on site um repair. With remote diagnosis included in the price, so that's the service for the Dell, which isn't too bad. To be honest with you, that's not yeah. that's not bad. I'm looking for the docking station, though, dude. I'm not seeing docking station, but I does it say E in front of it in front of the model number? I believe you. Well, it's it just no, it's just Precision 3520. Shouldn't it be mm, E 3520
1: so Maybe it's not an E series. That that might be why then.
0: Oh man, the dock thing would be huge for me. I would love to have that because yeah. I'm always hooking stuff up. Yeah, yeah they're, they're trying do. to they're trying to sell me. Uh, this is so funny. I've I've chosen Ubuntu, but they're still trying to sell me turbotax and antivirus. Like this is what Dell really sucks at. This is just the worst. Look at this. Like, look at all this stuff they're trying to sell me. This is I'm on page three, by the way, after I've configured the rig. This is the third page in of upsells.
1: How many pages were there for system seventy six? The one page. Four, and five,
0: it, six? One page after I got oh, to the boy. after I selected the machine I wanted and it took me thirty seconds. Uh I don't see cards and they have cables and dongles, but they do not have a dock. better get some dongle. I can get a dongle if I want. So my final price without my upgraded screen is $2,162 for the Dell. with uh, Shipping with Ubuntu 16.04. And a Core i7 7820 That's a great processor. That's a great processor. Um, Kind of a bummer on the video, though, because the video almost kind of completely kills it for me. I I just Mm -hmm. spend that kind of money and not to get a modern graphics card. I mean, I understand the Quadro is great for a lot of people. I just don't have a workload that needs it. It's not like I get any benefit from a Quadro. So, All right. Well, good to see Dell and the all-in-ones exciting. They're, it's good to see them updating the XPS line. I think the bigger story to take away from it is they're seeing some success. And Dell's in a pretty good position right now because I I got the sense, although Barton wouldn't say it on air, probably because he was trying to be Mr. PR a little bit. But I got the sense that they're seeing a really big uptick in MacBook switchers, the Mac Exodus, because the XPS is bezel-less, it's thin, it's light, it's high resolution. So I think Dell just uh, got themselves in a very good position for a certain client base at the right time. Because if you think about it, if they hadn't launched the Sputnik program years ago, they wouldn't be in the position they're in now. Now they're essentially launching an iMac replacement and a MacBook Air replacement with the XPS line and a MacBook Killer with the Precision line. Um, I know it's not all about the MacBook. I'm just after talking to Barton, that was the distinct impression I got walking away from our conversation. And he would know being the guy that runs the Sputnik program. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking about people in the know, you know who else is in the know about Ubuntu Mate? Wimpy. Hmm. That Wimpy guy. And so, uh, you know, I was uh, was, uh, sleuthing around on the Patreon like I do from time to time. And I noticed that that Wimpy posted something exclusive for his patrons. So I thought, why not go ahead and share it with all of you? we'll have a little exclusive news here. So, I mean maybe you're already a patron, you should be. I would assume you are for uh, for uh, for Wimpy. But in case you're not, there's some big news. We got an update on Ubuntu Mate's 17.04's progress, and I want to talk about what excited me in here. Are you ready, Noah? Are you are you ready for I'm this? I'm ready. I'm ready for the news. Well, um hold on. Hold on. Wait for it, Noah. Wait for it. And go ahead. No, okay, it's not working. I'll just read it raw dog. My my annotations aren't showing up. So, we have a couple interesting things here. There's going to be some big updates. First of all, I want to talk about the project that I'm really excited about Brisk Menu. Uh, Ike's been working on that from Solus. Brisk Menu is a nice, efficient new launcher for the Matei desktop. And uh, it was helped fund by Patreon, and that's out. I'm seeing it show up. Uh, uh, Wimpy packaged it for Debian. So, it's showing up in other distros. Also, there's going to be artwork by the. Uh, by uh, Daniel from Elementary in the new version of Ubuntu Mate. So Daniel's working on the art, and Ike's working on a launcher. I mean, that's all—that's all really big stuff. But what was in here that made me want to share it with you guys is the news about Mate Desktop 2.0. This is this has only been posted in this Patreon update so far. I'm sure the news will get out very soon. He says the reason for this jump is that Matei Desktop is now GTK 3 only. All legacy GTK2 code has been completely removed from the entire project. Wow! That's a hell of an accomplishment. As of the current Matei Desktop 1.17 development snapshots, which will become 2.0, Matei Desktop can only be built against GTK3+. We feel this achievement warrants the 2.0 version bump, and you guessed it. This Patreon has funded the upstream developers who have been working on this. In addition to Matei uh, 2.0, there's also going to be support for lib input, which could help you out a little bit and beginning support for truck tra- uh, trackpads touchscreens and wayland so Matei is beginning to implement wayland support it's just baby steps towards wayland don't get too excited you're not going to be running mate on wayland just yet but they're working on it that means you know updating kaja i have mate mate terminal all the other apps that are in mate to get it or Matei to get it working on Wayland. There's also gonna be more uh, improved interactive notifications in Mate 2.0, and uh, there's also been other slight improvements. But I just think it's overall looking like it's gonna be, I thought, I wasn't sure if Ubuntu Mate 17.04 would even really be worth like a lot of attention, and now I'm thinking this thing deserves like a full-on review. So it's looking really nice. I think there's some major uh, improvements. You're gonna see the official version bump to 2.0 announcement very soon. I think adoption of lib input is massive and beginning to adopt Wayland. I like it all. I think they're really striking a good balance of keeping a traditional desktop paradigm, but not getting left behind. And now they've rid all GTK2. How are you feeling about the project overall, Noah? How are you feeling? I,
1: I, think that, I think that there's a couple of things. One, I'm excited to see that they are kind of following this. I think the, the development cycle that works really well on an Ubuntu style release is when you make a bunch of the changes in the interims, and then you polish for the LTS. Make those changes on the interim, polish for the LTS. And if Matei is kind of, it seems like they're kind of following that. They're going to take 1704. They're going to make the changes. 1804 comes out and they polish for that LTS. I think that's a really great, that's a really great paradigm to to kind of follow. The second thing is, Ubuntu Matei, despite having both of us kind of playing around with solos, you know, very seriously, and, uh, and I'm still, haven't totally abandoned myself from, Ubuntu proper and using Arch on the side, I still find a really great place for Ubuntu Mate, and that is in anything that is a utilitarian kind of computer. The studio machine that's here, the machine that I update my work orders on downstairs, yeah, yeah. the you know, yeah. anything that just has to has to function as a utility, Ubuntu Mate is still my go-to choice. And it's a very good choice for anyone that is new, completely new to Linux. The the as entire the entire reason that he invent that he came up with the Ubuntu Mate project, right, was to mm. kind of facilitate for his for his parents. Yeah. Um, yep. So and you know what's I cool. I still use it in that regard too.
0: I like this Alpha Two is scheduled for release on my birthday. What a nice little birthday present for me. Also speaking of the Brisk menu, uh, Wimpy on his G Plus profile posted a PPA that's compatible with sixteen ten and seventeen zero four. So if you'd like to try out Brisk on seventeen zero four or sixteen ten. He has a PPA up and we have it linked in the show notes. Nice work to Ike uh, on uh, banging out that uh, brisk menu. I think it's uh, looking looking really good, looking, looking really good. All right. If there's a news story you would like to hear this week and didn't hear it on the show, please consider going to linuxactionshow.reddit.com and submitting it, voting it up, or commenting on it to help sort out what's going on with that story. We appreciate all of that at the subreddit. Thank you very much. And that's all the news for this week. We're about to have our most important guest on the show ever, Noah's dad, how he got switched to Linux, how he's moved his practice to open EMR, and how it could benefit doctors all over the nation. No joke. Before we get into that, I want to thank Linux Academy for making this segment possible. <laughs> Linuxacademy.com slash unplugged is where you go to not only support the show, but sign up for a seven-day free trial of a platform designed to help you learn from Linux if you're a total beginner. Or a longtime expert and just need to refresh on some new topics, or maybe go back to the basic LinuxAcademy.com/slash unplug. Course schedulers for your busy schedule. Labs to give you hands-on scenarios, which is super nice. The lab servers match whatever distro you chose for the documentation. I love that. They have self-paced in-depth video courses. You can take this stuff with you on the go. Android and iOS apps for also going on the go. Not that kind of going. I mean the studying kind of going. Note cards, the community forks, community stack full of Jupiter Broadcasting members, and learning paths, which are a series of courses and content planned for by instructors for very specific careers. And those instructors are also available, real human beings, for help on these real topics. Everything from Linux basics all the way up to the big stuff. And the complicated, abstracted stuff like AWS and Azure and all that stuff. Linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. Go there. You can also check out their weekly roundup that got posted a little bit ago. One of their first big batches of students that passed in 2017. What a great list. Lots of people doing AWS stuff there, too, which I would, too, if I was in the industry right now and needed to get up on that kind of thing. That's exactly where I'd go. Linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. Got to say it like that, too. It's slash unplugged. You can put your hands up in the air if you want. Slash unplugged. Just kind of put it out there, like you're, like you're, like you just don't care. Yeah, exactly. So I thought I'd pull out a bit from the interview to set you guys up with how Noah's dad got started with Linux. You're probably not going to be too surprised by some of the details, but I thought it'd be a good introduction.
1: Explain to me a little bit about how the open source community has benefited your practice. Like, for example, I noticed, I mean, you being my father didn't have a whole lot of say in the the the, the decision, but you know, you're going to run Linux here. But how has that kind of how has that worked out compared to when you first started and you started uh, working with Windows?
2: Right. Uh, in fact, uh, I mean, I'm going to tell the facts as they are. If, if somebody gets offended about it, I can't help it. I I deployed a Windows server. It used to crash regularly once or twice a month. <laughs> okay? And we had to troubleshoot. Then something will go wrong. We had to go and troubleshoot it and reboot the system. And I was getting tired of it. And then, of course, you came over and said, Dad, there is another system uh, Linux and uh, you know you ought to try it because it seems more robust mm-hmm. and then you you introduced me to the red uh, red hat Linux mm-hmm. and uh, I was surprised when we deployed it it didn't go down mm-hmm. and I thought hey this is the way to go so it didn't need not I did not take too much convincing by you mm-hmm. to deploy the whole thing all Linux sure. in fact at one time I think we had some Windows uh, com- uh, clients yeah. with the Linux server right. then finally you convinced me hey we can deploy Linux in all the computers right sure. you know your dad
0: is a is a snazzy dresser I mean you're not a bad dresser yourself but next to your dad you know you look like you're dressing down a little bit <laughs> <laughs> <Well, laughs> you yeah. yeah. I mean so you're a professional looking guy <laughs> like, Noah no. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's pretty good. So that's sort of a little setup on 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 how the whole Linux thing started uh, for Noah's dad, uh, Doctor Jelaya, and it goes from there into converting his entire practice and then potentially even sharing some of those gains with other doctors.
1: So we're here at the Heart Institute of North Dakota, and I'm quite familiar with this place. I actually grew up here because. This is my dad. Now, the interesting thing about my dad is that, uh, you know, he has always kind of been on the cutting edge of technology and I think that's kind of where I got the bug and uh, he has been running his medical practice for 30 plus years and in that 30 plus years he's made a lot of technological advances so I guess I'll I'll call you Dr. Chalaya for the purpose of the interview but tell me a little bit about what it is you do as a profession.
2: You know I'm a heart specialist. I'm board certified in internal medicine I'm also board certified in cardiology as well as interventional cardiology so I have three board certifications so when I came and started the uh, practice in Grand Forks um, I was actually working for the hospital local hospital and I ran I de- developed the cardiology department for them and but I kept looking at the way I was practicing and I found that a lot of the play uh, things I was doing it was repetitive and I said there should be some way of computerizing this concept so I don't have to do it you know, over and over again, the same way. So I kept thinking, is there some way we can use electronics to make things ready? This was before they even thought of electronic medical records. Mm -hmm. So I actually used a word processor Mm -hmm. and a kind of Mickey Mouse kind of a system where I could use a word processor to store the uh, reports Then I can copy and modify it for the next visit and so on and so forth. It was the so-called, uh, kind of a Temp- template that I developed that was like 16 years ago. I was thinking about this while I was working for the hospital and I thought, me, if I were to have an independent place, then I could implement all these various ideas. Mm-hmm. And that was the main reason why I left the hospital. It was not because I didn't like them or anything yeah. like that. It was just so that I have flexibility to develop my own uh, things. So, I came out here about 17 years ago, almost 18, and I implemented some of these ideas. And uh, so, one of the things I thought was you know, I wanted everything electronic um, the medical record system, even the other ways of doing things. Like, for example, I do imaging called echocardiogram, mm-hmm. I want to store them digitally. Mm-hmm. And that was the infancy of the echo digital system. So we developed our own little uh, networking called the, um, they call it the picture archiving and storage and all that retrieval pack system. Mm -hmm. We developed our own Mickey Mouse type of a pack system. Mm -hmm. Actually it worked very well. We also developed a system for Holter monitor Mm -hmm. that worked well. Then I came across uh you know people were getting into so-called electronic medical records it was still infancy and i found a kernel of an idea that has de- was developed by some guy in canada mm-hmm. and i saw that and i immediately thought this had tremendous potential it was a very rudimentary simple system mm-hmm. then i thought to myself i can take this and expand it so I actually purchased the rights to copyright to a copy of that. Mm-hmm. Then I started developing a more complex. One of the things I wanted to do was I wanted to do a, have a system that would dictate itself. Mm-hmm. In other words, you start with the, um, you know, you answer a simple question like touch key, um, touch screen. You say yes or no, yes or no. When you say, do you have chest pain? When you say yes. Instead of simply leaving it that way, it says, it responds by saying, the patient has chest pain, mm-hmm. period. You know, converting a touch screen to a complete statement. Sure. That was my original idea. Mm-hmm. And developed this template, expanded it rem- tremendously, and it worked extremely well. We computerized everything, and the problem was it worked extremely well. But then the rest of the com- industry started coming up with electronic medical records. Mm-hmm. So in a way, without sounding boastful, I was one of the early pioneers in developing electronic medical records, mm-hmm. but I ran into a problem. When the other medical record system came out, the government said, you have to have it certified. And of course I looked into I thought my medical records met all the requirements mm-hmm. that they wanted, mm-hmm. but there was one problem. I said, "How much do I get? Uh, how, what do I need to do?" They said, "You have to pay a fee to get it certified. Mm-hmm. How much?" They said, "About well, hundred thousand dollars." I'm a small practice, uh, solo practice. I don't have that kind of money yeah. to, you know, get it certified. Mm-hmm. So I was looking around and said, "I was still using my system, but I was getting punished by Medicare because I'm my software is not certified. Sure. I had to. They were. I. They, I got." of the billing, I Mm -hmm. couldn't get the last 2% or whatever. There Mm -hmm. was a penalty for not having it certified. Then I think you came up with the idea, you said, Dad, I found this electronic medical record uh, record system that is open source, Mm -hmm. that is fully customizable, Mm -hmm. and you showed me and I thought, hey, this has potential. Mm -hmm. And now uh, I've started using it because you know that is already certified. So uh, let's so show me a little bit about how you actually use this new system. So the
1: new one is the new uh, system that you're referring to is Open EMR. It's an open source uh, web based software. And so it, kind of one of the advantages uh, for him is he travels around. You know, in rural places like North Dakota, there's a number of different hospitals that employ his services. And so basically, they can't afford to have a full time cardiologist on staff. So he will travel to these hospitals and he'll participate for two or three days and do some procedures and it, it, you do pacemakers and implanted defibrillators those Correct. kinds of
2: things that's my specialty i specialize in pacemakers defibrillators and biventricular pacers and defibrillators which are very sophisticated that lot not, not There are too many cardiologists. In fact, I know of no cardiologist that is doing it in in small rural hospitals. I'm the only one who's doing it to the best of my knowledge in the entire United States. So we've been doing that in small hospitals and this software has become extremely useful for me so one of the things that he needs to be able to do is <clears throat> get access to this medical
1: records wherever he is and so it being a web based system means he doesn't have to install any particular uh, you know client based software he doesn't have to manage any sort of certificates they, they you know the software just kind of works he visits a website and it works so we have created a a patient here um, that we call test case which is basically a uh, a patient for the purpose of testing things and um that's something that we can go ahead and put up on the screen here, and he can go through it.
2: So here, I put, put, picked up a, a picked up a case called opened a case called uh, test case. Um, maybe I'll let you handle the mouse because you can open it as I tell you. So you know you will see. We let's assume we're going to create a new encounter, in other words, new visit. A new visit is called a new encounter, and here it is. And now we can go in and create a new consultation. See, we can create a brand new consultation here. So now I, on the consultation, I can uh, go into the various parts of the consultation. As you know, consultation contains history, Mm -hmm. uh, what the patient complained about, what's going on with him, and then the physical examination. And then I do the physical examination personally, and I do the assessment and the recommendations and medications. So it makes them very, very easy, and you can do it while you're in the patient's room. Mm -hmm. So when you walk out of the room, when I walk out of the room, the consultation is completed, So I don't have to go back and dictate anything,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know. So I like the system. In fact, we want to expand it to uh, do something like what we did before, that every time you click uh, a, a yes or a no, instead of just simply saying yes or no, it can also generate a statement, you know, like, Patient has chest pain. A patient does not have chest pain. It's so I know
1: one of the other things that you are going to be utilizing is the calendar API inside oh, cool. of your EMR to tie mm-hmm. to a, a new service that you're going to be launching. Can you talk about the well? You you're free to you know to, okay. to plug the service a little bit, but then and then how it ties into this system?
2: Sure. See, I'm not only a board-certified internal medicine specialist and a heart spe- a cardiologist. I also have a passion for developing and teaching people how to get rid of up to 85% of chronic illnesses without pills. This is not based on some crazy idea. This is based on science. Mm -hmm. I reviewed thousands of articles on how to cure diseases without uh, pills Mm -hmm. and injection. This is proven science. Mm -hmm. For example, studies have shown that simply avoiding all animal products and walking four miles a day can drop your blood pressure, Mm -hmm. drop your blood sugar, drop your weight, Mm -hmm. and even reverse cancers. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't tell patients to stop their conventional chemotherapy. No, no, no. I tell them to do some additional, uh, you know, uh, nutritional supplements along with it. Mm -hmm. These are all evidence-based. That Mm -hmm. means I have to have at least five, three to five articles in reputable medical journals Mm -hmm. before I would recommend. So I have, I not only teach conventional medication, I practice conventional medicine, Mm -hmm. but I also do nutritional treatment. Mm -hmm. And so now there's so much of interest, I decided to spin off another site, Mm -hmm. a new service. This will be called the Otter Health. Mm -hmm. And you are the one, I should give you credit for it because you are the one who told me, Dad, did you know that otters do not survive on their own? They have to always survive in a group. At Mm -hmm. least two have to live together. Mm -hmm. Right. So I thought this is a great idea. Mm-hmm. we help each other. Mm-hmm. I want to help my patients get better mm-hmm. and they help other people mm-hmm. to get better. So we call, we're gonna call this auto health. Mm-hmm. So we've developed a the calendar. We are using the calendar. Mm-hmm. We are customizing the calendar mm-hmm. so that uh, it will graphically show where I'm at all times. Mm-hmm. There are some days where I'm not available, mm-hmm. you know, since the staff knows that they cannot put any patients in there, mm-hmm. but then also shows graphically where I'm going to be mm-hmm. and we're going to have even an interactive uh, uh, you know, situation where people can actually log in and say, listen, I want Dr. Chalaya to come and talk to our group. Mm-hmm. They can literally schedule themselves for this as long as it's an open slot. Right. If I'm already busy doing another talk that day, obviously they cannot choose that. Mm-hmm. So we're going to use technology to actually make things better for both us mm-hmm. and others because I don't want a double book, mm-hmm. but then everybody has access to
1: this. So, and you're you're doing that with like the calendar API built into OpenEMR, and then you're tying that in, you know, with the website hook. Now. I know that you're so you've taken a lot of time in-house to develop these custom forms and obviously as an experienced cardiologist now these forms you know are very well tailored to the the practice of a cardiologist are these forms are these forms is something that you're willing to release back to up,
2: upstream to the community for other cardiologists to use if they switch Absolutely absolutely I told you the previous software mm-hmm. the form that we developed mm-hmm. worked so splendidly for 17 years mm-hmm. So all we're doing is because that was not certifiable mm-hmm. Uh, at least at a nominal cost. So we are du- going to duplicate the same form in this EMR, mm-hmm. and when we have completed the project, or if people say, hey, we'd like to have whatever you developed so far, mm-hmm. and we like to add or enhance it, Oh, absolutely! I'm willing to share it with everybody.
1: Okay. Uh, one last thing, kind of unrelated to the open EMR thing. I know that you've been using uh, one of the older systems, 76, and you've just, just kind of tra- you're transitioning into a new Oryx Pro. Um, can you? T- I know you haven't actually started, you haven't started using that as your daily driver yet. But the, uh, as as far as like, you're a person that just kind of wants results, right? Like you don't right. you don't dive into the 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 minutia of you know politics and the and yep. you know the the different things. Can you talk about just how that laptop has served you how well and you know and and, and how going forward what you're gonna make decisions based off of okay
2: yes uh, I, I based on your advice i ordered that about three years ago mm-hmm. and it's so light mm-hmm. i've got a fast processor i've got a solid state hard drive mm-hmm. as you know I realized the utility of having a hard, solid state drive, so it, it boots fast, it boots mm-hmm. in about three seconds, mm-hmm. okay? And I love it, and it's so light that I can carry it on the plane, mm-hmm. and it is my main laptop. Mm-hmm. I have done everything with it. I've got a one terabyte drive in this. Mm-hmm. I'm almost filled up with it. That is why I want the new one, so I can put a couple three of it. Drives, three drives in the okay the one, yeah. And you told me that one has a faster processor too. Newer product, newer generation. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to use it, and I can tell you, uh, in fact, it's interesting. Somebody asked me, "Do you have a ever have virus in your system?" And the answer is absolutely not. Never had a virus. Never will have it. <laughs> you know, because it's uh, it's. Uh, I mean, listen, anybody out there? Mm-hmm. they want a system they don't have to fuss over mm-hmm.
1: standing and you are looking for someone that you've done a lot of the layoffs based forms you're looking for somebody to combine some of these layoffs based forms into a you know one solid form and so if there's anyone out there that does uh, PHP development anything is what openR is you're you're looking for uh, to hire a part-time developer to, to integrate some of that stuff right
2: absolutely absolutely I would love for somebody to work with me will basically show you what the forms we have, the logic, Mm -hmm. and if somebody can, you know, create the logic in EMR, we'd have a fantastic system. The beauty of the system is the report looks like somebody actually dictated and typed it up Mm -hmm. with real grammatically correct statements. Uh, It is indistinguishable from you know, a traditional, uh, dictation. traditional dictation. That is the beauty of the whole system, and I'd like to bring that into the system. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to work with any developer who wants to work with us. Cool. Well, thanks again for your time. We really appreciate it. Okay. Fascinating. You know, in some ways, what
0: your dad's describing where it asks you a series of questions and then it fills in the forms, like, does the patient mm-hmm. have chest pains? It's like mm-hmm. a very early bot. He's he's talking about a very oh, early yeah. where it, and he's, I don't even know if he realizes he's talking about a bot, but it's, it's, it's you yeah, basically well, your dad's describing the function of a bot.
1: I mean, he literally he designed these macros inside of inside of OpenOffice that like, you know, you'd well, back then it was it was a uh, Star Office or Oh some yeah, man. Adequate okay. thing. But, <laughs> yeah, Star Office? Gonna, but the macros but that whatever it was, but the, it was like it had macros, and you yeah. would click on it, and then it would and then it would spit the the information after whatever It's yeah, kind of a joke. but what i what I like about version, your dad is it, it's
0: yeah, your dad's experience echoes that of Hadea's uh, experience, my lady Hadea's, because it's she wanted to use oh, Linux yeah. in her practice simply because it was problem free and she was done with Windows right. seven and needed to go to something else, mm-hmm. didn't really see the point in investing in another platform. Because she's mostly mm-hmm. using Chrome for her EMR system as well, and they just needs to be able to scan sure. files and have some things locally that are safe and, you know, with an encrypted home directory. Uh, mm-hmm. So it sounds like it works pretty good for your dad, and it sounds like there could be an opportunity for maybe somebody to help him and maybe make a buck. Yep. And also it uh, sounds like there's an opportunity for other doctors to benefit from the work too.
1: Yep. Yeah. So we're working with the people at EMR. It's kind of great. They have the, a Slack channel and stuff that we can kind of communicate and mm. stuff. And so as we're getting wow. information on how to, how to, they're, they're, Open EMR is about to release just, I, I don't, I think it's a public thing, but they're about to release version five. Um, and that's going to come out in just the next couple of weeks. And they have, they have spent the last couple of years kind of tooling the underpinnings of, uh, of the EMR, but the interface wasn't great. And now in this latest release, they are totally redesigning the UI to make it very, very friendly. And so, wow. Uh, and, you know, I was talking, you know, we can get it i mean there's in the chat room there's a, a gentleman i assume gentleman uh, uj UJ, yeah, Babb, UJ. Mm-hmm. Uh, seems to be a medical professional and so him and I have been kind of going back and forth about some of the details the technical underpinnings you know like how it does like the diagnostic codes and the and the billing codes and stuff and how those are all automatic is is really great it just makes for really dry podcasting but if you haven't if you're if you're curious about it it works flawlessly ties within right to availity, so he can do all of his billing and stuff like that and if you want more information of course you can use the contact form and I'd be happy to share it with same you. with
0: just, uh, kind of if stuff. somebody maybe wants to help with the forms uh, maybe use the yeah, contact yeah. form and, uh, and ping Noah uh, or Noah at jupiterbroadcasting.com works too you know just one thing that kind of struck me about the whole segment in general uh with with Hadea and with your dad if if more mm-hmm. medical professionals and there's a hu- I mean a huge part of the medical industry are, are these small practices like your dad's uh, that are mm-hmm. uh, extremely effective at what they do they're they're ran well by somebody who really knows what they're doing and and mm-hmm. they're not these not these massive ginormous hospitals and even if at that level we could start seeing more adoption of linux and open source to save costs for them uh, it might mm-hmm. there might be a ripple effect. I mean, it, it's a small one, I'm sure, but there really could be a savings for the overall healthcare industry if they looked at systems like OpenEMR and Linux, and mm-hmm. compared to things like Windows and SQL Server and some of the other solutions out there that have like fifty thousand dollar annual support contracts. I mean, the the, the pricing mm-hmm. in these systems is just insane, depending on the industry.
1: You know, it's you know it's, it's funny fifty thousand dollars in the medical industry. I mean, that's peanuts, man. Yeah, uh, I know. It, we we're talking about Epic which is a, a a competitor and i mean you're talking 10 20 million dollars a year to support yeah. million with yeah. an M a year yep. just you know as a, that's a support contract that doesn't even cover the cost yeah. of the, the thing and then all of the yeah. different plugins that you have and stuff so i mean it, i worked yeah, with a this is, uh, you know free. i worked with a gynecology
0: office that's i think they were fifty thousand a year for their for their support and it was a really early horrible <laughs> required active x emr system i mean it was bad yeah, yeah. And that's how much they paid. So this is this is this in some in some ways could be a revolution for the industry, and it's nice. I saw he was using Unity on Ubuntu with Chrome. Yep, like it's a pretty good setup mm-hmm. for this they kind have, of
1: thing. They, they have yeah. So they have both Chrome and Firefox. It does and work. He just let them choose. They, uh. It's totally split depending on what people want to use. Yeah,
0: man. Active God, it's, boys. Thank God that kind of stuff isn't being done with Active X anymore. Wow. Well, that's that's a pretty cool. That was a pretty cool chat. It was great to uh, get your dad on the show. And that's the Linux Action Show at Linux and Open Source, revolutionizing the medical industry. And that brings us to the end of this week's broadcast, but before we go, we got some great emails to get to, and something pretty cool to tell you about. System 76, our sponsor for this segment, has launched their Superfan Contest, and I think this is like the superest of the Superfan Contest, being that this is the second, and it's better than the first, and it's all up and ready for you to learn about at system76.com. Superfan 2 has launched, they got a video up there telling you a little bit about it, I wonder the legend of the lake, huh? Legend of the lake. That uh, makes me think about KB Lake. I think there's some KB Lake connections here. So find out more. You could get uh, if you win, you could, like we did last year. You could take a trip out to System Isn't 76 Cabby? headquarters. Hi. Hi. Yeah. Uh, Cabby? Yeah.
1: I've Isn't heard. I've Cabby always lake? said.
0: I think it's KB Lake. How how do we find out? How do we find out? How do I we? I don't know. I don't know
1: but I just I guess I'm just thinking How if yeah, say, if it's
0: me, you know. Yeah, if I if, if I go left, you go right. Is that what happens? I go left, you go right. I see. I understand how it is. I I see. I've lost all faith. All right. You've lost all faith. I mean, hold on. No, 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 no. No. We're going to s- No, how to produce? No, how do you pronounce? Jerry, you got to tell us. I got to know cuz I Well,
1: although, although actually how to produce cabbie lakes in your house would be really cool would. too. Like that would. How like is cabbie out?
0: pronounced? All right. Oh, this is a video about it. This would probably say, right? Oh, good. Thank you. Everybody's got to have a big old intro, don't they? Okay, that's not going to be any good. Mm -hmm. It looks like it's pronounced the official marketing types. um, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, oh, we got it. Wow, this is. Wow. Look at this. This is from the. day, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Intel Corporation, second quarter, 2016. No, I'm not going to do that. I just can't do it. The chat room says it's cabby with an extended A. So I'll go with the chat room. Mm. Cabby Lake. What did I say? K B Lake. I said K B. Like like I said like K
1: A E or something like or K A Y K B like, hmm. uh, something screwed up. Anyway, here's the good here's I here's what I do know how to pronounce. I know how to pronounce. Uh, do Martha. you Chris? Chris? Are you well? Yeah, it's Chris. It's just Chris, and it's just, there's too many Chris. It's just, anyway, that is true. Who wants to know about wants to know about Sab NDB in Docker. Is that right? <laughs> no, this. Is
0: Screwed me up. How how many years? were you?
1: Two years into podcasting now. What's going on right now? All right. What's, okay? Here's you, a... you want to, you want to know about Sab NZB, and Docker. It's in the feedback, statement I take it we're supposed to cover it. So apparently, Chris would like to know about Noah Sav, is NZB, the and Docker. Chris writes it for those of you says, behind the scenes. Here's the, scenes, the GitHub
0: link. Noah is the master of the feedback. Uh, yeah. So I have a I have a I have an idea. I'm thinking about I'm thinking about switching all my. <clears throat> well, I feel like I'm going to get a whole bunch of crap if I say this. So this, I'm just, I'm in the thinking stage. All right, I haven't done it yet, but I'm thinking I about just ask the question rather than telling them why you're
1: asking the question.
2: Mm.
0: Does anybody have any? Okay, good point. Does anybody have any success in running SabNZB and uh, Sick Rage in a Docker container? Because let's say in theory, I wanted to pick a distribution that didn't have a high software availability, but it has Docker. And so is it practical? Are you finding it to be practical? Is it staying up to date? Can, is it easy to manage? Is it easy to access? Or is it these things get thrown up on the Docker Hub that never get updated? It's a pain in the ass. You have to constantly do these crazy things to get it started. I'd like to get a feel for how real it is to take some of the applications that aren't available in the repo and run them as Docker containers. And I have a link to one in the show notes if you're kind of curious what I was talking about. And then I have another request, totally separate, not related. Uh, However you get a hold of us, if it's either through Twitter or the subreddit or the contact form or YouTube comments, uh, I would like to hear from you about open source developers or projects that have GoFundMes or I was actually, it's kind of thinking more about Patreon or um, uh, bug bounties, something because I was thinking about maybe doing a special on a couple of different, maybe higher, medium profile, or unknown open source projects, and how we as a community could fund them. Like just give them like kind of the beginning mm-hmm. of twenty seventeen a little bit like, because file system developers and pulse audio developers and theme creators are are starting patreons and 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 the first reaction is like oh my god everybody's creating a patreon now. But if you think about it, this is exactly what we might want as a community is if we could make even – not a, if, we, if we could just make it a sustainable side project for some of these people, some of the stuff we love will stick around longer. It's better for all of us and I'm not saying any of us have mm-hmm. to do anything but I just thought maybe we could do an episode where we went through and said, hey, did you know that the Pulse Audio Developer guy now has a Patreon? Hey, did you know that the ButterFS developers or the, or the BcacheFS developer – has a Patreon. And if you're interested yeah, in that, I, this is how you can make future development possible. So I'd like, but I really I don't know all of them, so I just need input from the audience
1: that really uh, that really appeals to me. I, actually, the very first episode of the Linux action show you and I ever did was about how non- devs can help projects because people like me, I have no, I, I want to support the open source community. And the only way that I know how to, at this point is to get a bunch of people to use your project and try and draw a lot of attention to it. You know, in my day job, that that's the, that's the best I can do. I would love it if there was a way where I could just put my, to open my wallet and put some money up. I just, there's, there doesn't seem like to be a, a defined way to do that in a lot of cases. And the places that do have it don't seem to be the ones that are really struggling for, you know, for cash. So anyway, uh, Wolf writes in and he says, Hey guys, I've been watching. I wrote you a while back, but I've been watching religiously. I promise. Anywho, I stumbled upon something. I think it's pretty cool. And I would share. So I've been using art for a long time as a distro and, uh, blah, 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 blah. Uh, yeah, he, he talks about arch anywhere and he says he found this on accident fortunately he had an old machine sitting around that he wanted to put it on it so he did and it's very impressive yes this is not yes this is pure art pure arch not a derivative this is simply a graphic installer now i personally always prefer to install arch via the cli but this shatters the old barrier making it easier for us noobs to give arch a go. So i wanted to share it now interestingly enough one of the reasons that i use Antragos instead of arch is because there's no graphical installer and i just want to install arch i did it once for the to be able to say I've done it, and then I never wanted to go through that experience again. I just I want to plug a USB key in, click a bunch of buttons, and have Arch installed. And
0: there have been times too Android- where I have like fifteen minutes to get the OS installed, and right. it would either be Ubuntu. It's either go like because I have I usually have like a. I have one right here. I have a I have a thumbstick with Ubuntu on it. Right? I usually have one around here, and then I have a thumbstick with Anagross on it right here, and a thumbstick with Solus. It's funny. I have all three of them right here. Uh, and whichever one, in some cases, because it's, maybe it's like a, a live situation, mm-hmm. whichever one's the quickest install, I'm or reasonable install, I'm I'm gonna go to. And that's right. that is a real use case sometimes for a lot of people. They just yeah. don't want to spend the time. So yeah. Uh oh, that was a cool, yeah. cool. mention. So yeah, that is nice. thanks, Wolf, for the uh, that's so, that is cool. i uh, the uh, the arch any I have not looked at the arch anywhere project, but it makes it look like looks like installing to uh, vanilla arch pretty easy. James writes in. he says, I'm in the process of trying to learn as much as I can about setting up content for Plex. A couple of subjects have uh, turned up, um, but I haven't really gotten as much help as I would when searching. Make MKV seems to drop many of the extra feature content. Are these options I can use to get MKV to extract more of the content? And number two is, is there anything uh, that can extract the menu data from a DVD? This would be helpful for naming extra content. I know I could play DVDs and make notes on the menu. I hope to find ways to do this faster. And is there a way to either allow Plex to play in ISO or some other format that incorporates the DVD's original menus? So do you want to take on the DVD one about the menus real quick, and I'll answer the other ones?
1: Yeah, I have not found a way to get an exact duplication with MKV. I can spit all of the individual files out in, in individual MKVs using make MKV. And so you could keep all of the content, but as far as like just duplicating the disk, I've not found any way to do that with make mkv. I have to I'm still mm-hmm. using um K3B.
0: I don't mean to – is it worth it? I mean to be honest, only a small, small minority of those DVD menus are worth it. Most of them you sit around, you wait for the animation and they take a long time and sometimes it's not obvious how to get to like the hidden
1: features. I mean they're not always that great. I'll I'll, I'll give you an example. Some of Um, them are okay. One of the things I – I give you an example. One of the things I use it for is uh, so the DVD menu is almost all the time they'll have like a uh, like a music loop and then the options to play right. And I have to have noise to sleep at night. If they if it goes totally silent, I wake up. So one of the things I'll do is I'll put on a movie and I'll fall asleep. And then after the movie gets done playing, it just goes into that that loop of the the music loop. And so it's you know just kind of a constant thing. And then I, and I fall asleep. Huh. I don't know. I just like yeah. Check the out back uh, of the DVD.
0: you might play. I mean, it depends on the noises you like, but. Uh, Mynoise.net guns. has a has lots of different noises, and you can mix and match. and They let you custom. They have guns. I don't. I don't know if they have guns. Okay, so Make MKV seems to drop MiniX. So this is Make MKV is a is a great tool to open up an MKV file and drop like French language and subtitles if you don't need it, or add those things if you do need it. That's what M- Make MKV essentially does. Mm-hmm. Or no, no, I'm sorry. That's that's not Make. Make MKV is is. Oh, I'm thinking of what is the tool that because that is a really good oh, I don't have it here. It has been a past app pick. Go get this like MKV toolix or something. I'm sorry, I don't remember the number. Make MKV is the tool that will take a bunch of files and make the MKV file. Uh, and i I would I would say consider trying a small little Plex install with a small library, so you don't go too far into this. But a lot of times now in Plex, it automatically gets all the DVD extras. There's an option in, in and I think in MB too, in recent versions of Plex to go get all the extras. All the trailer stuff, the behind-the-scenes videos, all that stuff. It doesn't always do it, but it does it for a ton of movies. And you might, if you're already looking at using Plex anyways, it might be worth trying a small collection of your mo- most important movies to a little temporary library and see what happens. Because you might just be doing all this work for nothing. So that's something else to consider. Uh, And as far as Plex playing ISO images, I've never personally tried it. I would very much recommend getting them into MKV files and, and dropping the DVD menus because the other reason for that is once you get it on your Plex library in MKV or MB, it is now playable on anything. Because once Plex can play it and transcode it, it can stream to your phone, to your tablet, to your Roku, to your TV, to your Western digital live, to anything that can receive an h two sixty four stream. And uh, the value of that is is huge. Like you can you can go super high resolution files and you rely on that pretty damn good transcoder to spit you out a little four eighty mm. image if you need from time to time. I do it over my myFi connection every now and then. Uh, and it works fantastically because it allows you to go as high resolution at the source as you can and then match the mm-hmm. endpoint screen. And the perfect setup, I really I love the NVIDIA Shield TV with MB Plex or Kodi because it has a ton of native codecs. It can do hardware accelerated mm-hmm. playback, so I just get the raw file from the media server. It's perfectly played back using hardware decoding on my television. I get all of the extras for just about all of my movies built into the menu without having to do any extra work. Cody also has a bunch of good stuff for this. So it's something else you could look into is Cody with Plex as a back end now because there is now a Plex plugin for Cody, just like there's an MB plugin for Cody. This could be super badass depending on your front end setup. So that's our super long way of saying James, you might want to consider moving off ISOs. You don't have to. You can definitely make it work. There's definitely ways to do it. Uh, Noah does it. But if you move over to mm-hmm. MKVs and you let you experiment with Plex automatically getting the extras for you, you might just save yourself a ton of time and hassle. And if you really, really want them, you could create a folder for the movie and make MKV files for each type of extra and name them. Or you could potentially put them all in one MKV file and then just make sure your player allows you to select which video track you're watching. Those are all options as well. If you have a question for the show, jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contacts where to go to get it answered. Also, the subreddit will often work, linuxactionshow.reddit.com. reddit.com If you have something you want to ask me or know or something else like that, I'm at Chris LAS on Twitter. He's at kernel Linux. The network is at Jupiter Signal. Noah, anything else you want to plug, sir?
1: I don't think so. At AltaSpeed is, yeah. the, uh, is our Twitter handle for, for AltaSpeed. And we're trying to tweet out more and more pictures of things that we're doing and stuff. Sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's a party.
0: And <laughs> sometimes it's
1: snowy. You never
0: know. Uh, I've been doing a bunch of behind-the-scenes videos on my personal YouTube channel at youtube.com/slash chris fisher. There's like 22, 23 total now. Not all of them are behind the scenes, but a lot of them actually are because I'm usually filming during the day while I'm working on these shows. So, if you'd like to see another angle, in fact, I might have a few clips from this very episode. Check it out at youtube.com/slash chris fisher. Last but not least, we are live on Sundays. You can go to JupiterBroadcasting.com/slash calendar to get it converted to your local time. Thanks so much for tuning this week's episode of the Linux Action Show, and we'll see you right back here next week. Here's my piece of no, advice. It's extremely uh, important. You just it, one rule, and it's the only rule: no glitter in the house. Period. No glitter ever. And I say, and I say that, and you know what happens? Glitter comes in the house. No glitter. When I talk, my nose vibrates. It's now time to have our most this important. What's that? I was doing a show. Right. What was that? No, right. it's fine. You're good. I was just gonna. I was just gonna podcast real quick. Should I podcast or? <laughs> it's kind of good we we good waited yet. to start because Hadia uh, is making a smoothie in the. You know <laughs> she don't care. Oh, good. She don't care. She knows. She don't care. She good. Go go ahead, <laughs> baby. Give another poll. I haven't uh, I haven't started the segment yet. Give another spin. You're good. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You're doing great, baby. (laughs) All right. So there we go. Now I think we can start. All right. Are you ready or you need to uh, keep screwing around? I'm not sure. Which one? Do you have a preference on which one you read? My
2: preference is to keep screwing around.